Greetings. Thank you for joining us for a Wednesday night service at Kingdom Life Community Church. During this COVID-19 pandemic, our services are recorded live on Facebook at 10 a.m. on Sundays and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays. Join us there at facebook.com forward slash kingdomlife.global. Now here's the message from Pastor Ben Johnson. Perspectives matter. And we need to not only understand our perspective, we also need to understand how to verbalize it to others. You know, you are preaching about your perspective in your actions or even your inactions, whether you realize it or not. That's why it's so important for us to talk about it. You know, what you perceive affects what you believe. And what you believe will affect what you receive from Christ. And what you receive from Christ will ultimately determine what you will achieve for the kingdom of God. Perspective matters. You know, just for fun, just for a moment, um, the past few weeks I've, I've thrown up some pictures, and so we got a picture for you tonight, um, and I'm curious what you see. This one might be a little trippy for you. So we're going to throw it up there. Now, there's, there's probably two different options. Now, I would like you guys to put some comments below what you see first. Now, whether you see the, the, the face looking directly on like at you or maybe the, to the side. Now, once, once you see one and then the other, then you're, it's kind of hard to even focus. It's, it's, it's weird, but um, it's just something for us to, to kind of enjoy the humor of, of different perspectives. Um, and, and for a picture like that, you know, what's, what's true in that picture? Well, both perspectives hold value, um, and it's important for us to respect each other in our perspectives as long as those perspectives obviously fall in, in line with, uh, with the Word of God. So, you ready? We can keep moving. All right, we've got to keep moving. We have been in 2 Corinthians over the past few weeks, and we started in chapter 3, and in last week we, we spent some time in chapter 4. And this week we're going to spend some more time in chapter 4. And actually we're going to review a couple verses uh, that we ended on last week. And there's just a few things that I want to pull out of that that God really helped highlight for me. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is going to speak some things to you through that. So we're going to look at verses 8 through 10 initially. All right? So uh, if you're able to jump there, great, awesome. I think it's going to be on the screen here. And then, um, so here we are in verse verse 8. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. All right, we're going to focus the majority of our time probably on verse 10. And then we're going to pull some ideas out, and then we will jump into verse 12, just on the very end of this all. All right. <clears throat> so last week, I, I talked briefly about this idea that Paul was pulling out these, this picture of these, these two things of, of comparing kind of the reality of, of, of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And that, you know, that we need to embrace the tension of those two realities because, because we can't really have one without the other. Okay? We can't have the resurrection without the crucifixion. And if, if we just focus on the crucifixion without the understanding of the victory, we've, we're also lost in despair and, and defeated. So we, we need to uh, embrace both those realities fully and know that there's that tension that's a good thing to have. 
<clears throat> so that's what Paul talked about last week. Now in verse 10, Paul uses a Greek word, necrosis, which means dying, as opposed to thenotos, which means death. Now, you're welcome, first of all, because I'm sure you're really wondering that. But this is important for us to understand, especially in multiple translations, including the NLT, which I read tonight. It doesn't use dying. It uses death. Now, when I was reading through my, some notes and trying to prepare for this, this was such an important thing I realized is, is this, it's a progressive, it's this progressive dying. It's, you know, death means it's almost like this finite, momentary, it happened, it's over, where dying is progressive ongoing. <clears throat> and so often we talk about progressive sanctification and becoming more like Christ over time, but I feel like we see that from always, maybe on the receiving end of it, of, oh, I'm receiving more sanctification, I'm receiving more Christ-likeness, but there's the flip side of that. There's the dying side of that, all right? <clears throat> now, friends, I know this may not be profound, profound to, to all of you, and, and, and that's, that's okay, and I'm just hoping that God is going to reveal something, because this is what God was revealing to me today. <clears throat> so the, Paul that, the word that Paul uses for life is a word called, is a word zoe. It's a Greek word for Zoe, and I want to read the, the definition here real quick. So Zoe, it's, it's life, but it's in the physical and the spiritual sense, and it it's applies to all life throughout the universe. Um, it always comes from and is sustained by God's self-existent life. Well, that's cool. The Lord intimately shares his gift of life with people, creating each in his own image, which gives all the capacity to know his eternal life. All right, so there we have that, the two sides of that, this progressive dying, but that we may receive this, this life of, of spiritual and physical life <clears throat> that is only possible through God in his self-existent existence, all right? Self-existent life. All right. So in order for the life of Christ to be revealed, we must embrace the dying, the progressive dying. Paul talks about dying daily. So the resurrection of life is, is in you is directly proportional, directly proportional to the crucifying of your own flesh. The crucifying for your own, your own flesh. It's, it's pound for pound. It's, it's you want to receive, what are you going to give? What are you going to remove? You know, in my house, um, we have three kids, a fourth on the way, and, you know, it's not uncommon for a new toy or a new something to show up fairly often. Now, <clears throat> we have a house that's not limitless in storage and capacity, and so we have to have this conversation with our kids uh, of, all right, we only have so much space in these drawers, only so much space on these shelves, there's only so much space in this room. You want to keep this new thing? What is going to leave? What's going to go? So here we are. We're, we're always crying out. And, and often we're, we're earnest in our desire to be more like Christ, to, to pursue our growth in Christ. And so, but before we can receive, we got to remove. Before we can, God can put something in, something's got to die. 
Something's got to die. It's like we've got this barrel, and it's already jam-packed. He's like, you're asking for more, but there's no room. I'm not going to cram it in there. What are you going to carve out? What, how much flesh are you willing to carve out for me to be able to put more of Christ in you? All right? So when, when, we're, when we're saying I, we want to be more like Christ, know that's like a dangerous prayer. That's like asking, asking for peace or asking for, for, for patience or whatever it is because there's going to be chaos that's coming your way. You're wanting to be more like Christ? He's going to give you opportunity to carve out some flesh. You know, it's like he's, he's sharpening up that knife and he's handing it to you. He's like, all right, how much poundage are you going to carve out for me? What you're willing to crucify is what he will give you. Friends, I, I just want to encourage you in the midst of this season to be writing stuff down. Writing stuff down. And, and I think you will be in, encouraged to see what you're learning about yourself and also learning about God. You'll be encouraged of how, how God has helped you and how you've learned to adapt and to do life differently. I think we, we will all also be humbled. We'll be humbled by the rotting, disgusting flesh that has been brought to the light. I think that's, that when we're out of our comfort zone, that's when that flesh kind of starts to rise up. You know, the, the term hangry, when you're hungry, man, there's some nastiness that comes out of people, Right? You, you know, like, there's, when, when, when life seems to go to hell in a handbasket, and everything is, like, out of your control, sometimes there's just this nastiness that you've always been able to kind of keep it together, but when it's out of your control, there's this nastiness of flesh that kind of starts to rise up, and it can be humbling. And what is God wanting to kill in you to resurrect more abundant life in and through you. Right? Now, no, no, don't think that, that God, God is just wanting to ambush you or wanting to shame you or any of that. You know, it's like, you know, I had this picture and maybe this connects to you. Like, I don't know if you've ever been caught with your, your barn door open, your, your, your zipper down, right? You know what I'm saying? You've been like in a public space and then you either notice it or someone like, whispers it to you, and you're like, you're like em so embarrassed. You're like, I've been walking around this place, and oh my goodness, they saw my undies. You know, God's not trying to shame you. God's like, it was there the whole time. I'm just, I'm graciously wanting to cover you and restore you. God, God's grace covers us, doesn't expose us, okay? Or Similar situation, maybe you've been caught with something in your teeth from lunch. Maybe something a little green, yeah? You know what I'm talking about? You're in meetings, discussing, doing all kinds of stuff. And someone has the, the grace, hopefully, like, hey, you got a little something there. How much rotting flesh is hanging out in your teeth right now? Isn't that a good image? Just pause, think about that for a second. Wow, thank you, Ben. What a lovely image you're sharing. And God's graciously, he's not trying to expose you. He's not trying to shame you. The opposite. He, he convicts.
Is this uncomfortable? Yes. Is this revealing our inability to control our circumstance even more? Yes. Is it also a huge opportunity to grow? Yes. Is this a huge opportunity to share the resurrection life of Jesus? Yes. So what are you focusing on? Now, years back, I was in Colorado living there for doing internships, and and we would sometimes go on hikes, long, multi-day hikes with backpacks and everything through the mountains, and and we'd be split up into these groups. And inevitably, it always happened. It was just natural. Someone would be struggling, right? Elevation, you know, whatever, just things. People were struggling. And, and the rest of the group, the team, would come around them and, and, and encourage them and also ask them a key question. What are you focusing on? My feet hurt. Oh, my boots are causing blisters. My backpack is rubbing my shoulders raw and my back. And oh, man, I'm thirsty and I'm hungry and I'm so embarrassed. I'm letting everybody down. I'm a failure. And we would always graciously listen, but then also ever so graciously encourage them instead of looking inward and downward to look upward and outward. And even in their, their physical appearance, in the physical nature of what was going on, like they were shuffling along, dragging their feet, hunched over, and where were their eyes? Their eyes were always looking down, and they're always consumed with their, what's going, their emotions were dictating their focus. Their emotions were dictating what they were allowing themselves to focus on. And so we would encourage them to look upward and outward, and like, look around you right now. We're in the mountains. It's so gorgeous. Look at the nature, and just look, look behind us. Look down there. Look how far we've come. Look how incredible, look look how far you've come from me. You didn't even think you could get here, and you got here. Just talk to God for a second. Just talk to, thank him for his nature. Thank you for the strength that he's helped you, and ask him to help you in your weakness. And look around you. You're surrounded by people, and you think everybody's having a great time. They may not be as vocal as you are, but they got a lot of the same struggles. They've got blisters. They've got the rubbing straps. They're hungry and they're thirsty. What value would it be if you would stop focusing on yourself and start looking upward and outward and start encouraging them in their struggles without fail? When they stopped looking inward and downward and they started looking upward and outward, everyone did better. The team did better. They did better. What are you focusing? Where's your focus at right now? Where are you focusing? The more we focus upwards and outwards, we will individually be healthier and the body of Christ will be healthier. I'd like to read um, something from a missionary. Um, a missionary friend of ours posted this um, that someone else, another missionary, had, had, had written. All right. When pandemic life meets missions life. It has been interesting to watch the Western world go through a pandemic. It's fascinating to watch almost the whole world endure a, co- a course of missions 101, isolation, loneliness, 
financial uncertainty, health risks, and the fear of an unknown disease. Limited food options, being taken out of your comfort zone, being stared at when you go out and about, missing birthdays, holidays, weddings, graduations. All of that is, a, is very normal for most missionaries. You see, there are lots of similarities between missions life and pandemic life. However, there is one massive difference. We chose this life. You didn't. We planned and prepared the best we could. This happened to you completely unexpected, suddenly and unasked for. So what I want to say is thank you. Thank you for adapting and persevering. It's been absolutely amazing watch Christians step up and up to the plate and use creative means to reach people where they are in times of need. I love looking through my page, and it's full of Bible verses, encouragement, preaching, singing. But more than that, I've seen, I've been awed by the lawn chair visits, door dashes, mailings, online student programs and crafts and readings, window decor, drive-in churches, parties and showers, and so much more. Thank you for displaying trust in God so brightly in the midst of the unknown. It's a blessing to my missionary heart. One of the main things that missions has taught me so, so far is that the possibilities are endless. Ministering to people doesn't have to fit into a box of tradition. There is no box with God. If I could have picked one thing I wished every non-missionary would experience, that would be it. And in my box-like mentality, I thought it would require everyone to take an extended missions trip. But God isn't limited by my box. It's been encouraging to watch Christians all over the world leap out of their comfort zone and adapt love and share Christ out of the box. Your testimony for him shines all over the world and is a, and is a challenge to me personally. So from one child of God on this side of the world, thank you. P.S. Please don't stop live streaming after this is over. We are positioned strategically because of all this, because we have been stripped of so many of the things that numb us. We've been removed from the box of normalcy, and so we have to find new means to engage with people. You have to find new ways to love the neighbors around you. We have to find new ways to preach and teach and encourage the body. Praise God for that. We're growing and learning, and we're not being defined by the box of yesteryear. We're better off for it. All of this is providing an opportunity for us to carve off some of that flesh so God can pour in more. It's allowing us to take our focus from being inward and downward and being upward and outwards. And why? In verse 12, we're close on this. Verse 12, it says, So we live in the face of death, but this is a res has resulted in eternal life for you. Paul is, is writing to the church of Corinthians, and he is, a, he is crediting their coming to the gospel in due in part to him enduring the suffering. Our discomfort today, the carving off of the flesh today, the, the allowing God to remove flesh and to put Christ inside of us, our, our ability to, to, instead of being inward, and downward, and, and being upward and outward, and, and, and being outside the box is allowing the gospel to go forward. We need to change our focus. 
We need to make sure we're focusing on the right thing. What, our perspective matters. What you're focusing on, it matters. The world around us is desperate for a savior. Am I, are you, are we willing to embrace the dying necessary to reveal the resurrection life of Jesus? People are needing resurrection in their physical lives, in their spiritual lives, in their emotional lives. Are we willing to step into that fray? I hope so. We have been blessed to be a blessing. Use your time, your resources, your energy wisely and strategically so that God may be glorified in the expansion of his kingdom. I love you all, family, and I pray that you would embrace the carving of the flesh so that you may receive more. And I pray that your focus will ever more increasingly be upward and outward. I love you all. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife at aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.